Welcome to the Neanderthal Mind, bringing you riveting, educational, humorous, and sometimes serious perspectives on how our Neanderthal ancestors' will to survive still has a profound effect on our modern mind, body, and soul. Take a journey with us as we roll back the clock thousands of years to discuss all aspects of our Neanderthal ancestors. All right, my fellow cave dwellers, if you're ready, let's get this wheel rolling. Now here's your host and the leader of the pack, Anthony Yokolano. Welcome back, cave dwellers. This is another episode where I don't want to waste any of your time with a long, drawn-out introduction. But in this episode, we sit down with Epiphany Jordan. She is author of Somebody Hold Me, A Single Person's Guide to Nurturing Human Touch. With Epiphany, we discuss the importance of touch in our lives and the difficult situation we all find ourselves in right now with social distancing. An awesome conversation ensues in this episode, and I know we will all think a lot deeper about the importance of touch in our lives after listening to Epiphany. So cave dwellers, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I will see you on the flip side. Hello. Hello, Epiphany. How are you? Give me a second I'm... here. Let me turn on my video. There I go. Hey, how are you doing today? <laughs> Very well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. First and foremost, I want to thank you for absolutely coming to the uh, Neanderthal podcast. I appreciate that. And uh, thank have you for to, having uh, me. Have to, I guess, give kudos to, I think it was pod booking, right? I think so. Or pod guest. Podcast guests. Yeah. Yeah. Podcast guests that. Uh, uh, kind of got us in contact with each other so yeah um, actually the last quite a few episodes uh quite a few interviews have been because of pod guest podcast how's it go again podcast podcast guests yeah podcast guests so. good i'm glad i'm glad you got some good responses from that yeah, yeah i i it just it just always amazes me what a variety of podcasts people are doing and the different <laughs> topics and yeah, yeah so and and with me I, I don't have any experience in you know like uh neanderthal psychology or anything it's just a it's just something that i have an interest in so you know I, i'm i'm learning every interview i have i'm learning so great well yeah epiphany if you're ready uh usually i'll start off with just uh give me a little uh rundown about yourself that way my guests understand where you're coming from and who you are Sure. Um, my name's Epiphany Jordan. I live in Austin, Texas, and I am in a, on a mission to redesign human touch. And I feel like, uh, the, you know, our current model of only, um, for adults, only touching people that you're romantically or sexually involved with for the most part you know other than a hug hello or goodbye I feel like um, that's a paradigm that doesn't work for most of us um, anymore whether we're single or we're partnered and uh, I kind of want people to think about who when and why we touch other people and to maybe reframe this as a part of health and wellness. And as you and I are gonna talk about something that is very, um, it's been with us for a very long time. 
So let's so just to touch on that, I guess now. Um, sure. Do you think? <clears throat> and I, did, I I guess I didn't mean <laughs> I didn't no pun intended. I guess I should have said I didn't mean it that way. But uh, um, but whatever. Hey, so to touch on things now. Do you think because touch has been so. I don't know. Like in the movies, the only time you see people touching is in a sexual way. Do you think that's the stereotype that has created or that has developed in all of us? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, absolutely. Over the past hundred years or so, it's been uh, getting more so that way. I, I I think that the images are definitely one part of it when I was um, when I was working on my book oh, I forgot to talk about that um, I wrote a book called somebody hold me the single person's guide to nurturing human touch and it's a book that teaches single people how to get their touch needs met when they're not in a romantic relationship and um, as I was going through and working on the book um, I was working with a dear friend of mine to design the cover and um, so I was I was looking at a lot of images of people touching each other and you know sometimes you see pictures of people who are friends that are kind of hugging it up but yeah almost almost all of the images that I came across like the energy of it and or just looking at the people you know it was like yeah those people are romantically involved with each other but I mean it's certainly not the only reason that we've kind of come to that place but um there's lots of different reasons, but that's probably the primary one. And, and when you, which I, I, I don't want to say now is a good time for you, but now is when what you're talking about is very important because we are not allowed to touch each other in a sense, you know, with everything that's going on. Amazingly how, you know, I mean, we're all lacking it. We all are, you know, and now's a good time to talk about it and, you know, maybe figure out a way to get through it until we're allowed to get back to that point. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll confess that um, I've been hugging people who want to be hugged since probably about last May or June. Um, you know, when I kind of realized that the virus was spreading in a respiratory fashion, and that the idea, the like the the way to stay safe was not to be indoors with a big group of strangers who were without masks on. And so, um, for most of the year, I've been hugging uh, friends and family members outdoors with masks on. Um, you know, with our faces pointed in opposite directions of each other it just felt pretty safe to me and i i know that not everybody has felt that way and um but i you know i uh, yeah we're, we're really going to need this when uh when more of us get vaccinated you know i mean they just came out with the guidelines that you know if you've if you're fully vaccinated and you've gone a couple weeks then um you can spend time with other people who are vaccinated um, so I think that, um, you're going to, you're going to see a lot of people really hugging each other, but I think you're also going to see a lot of people who are, um, afraid to, you know, it's like they, they won't know how to reconnect and, and that's kind of been going on for a while, but, um, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be hard for, you know, a lot of us don't know how to human. Do you, do you live alone? No, no, no. I live with my girlfriend and uh, our little doggy. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, most of my uh, contact this year has come from 
my pets, my cats. Um, but yeah, I do. I have been hugging people um, here and there. But you know, I mean, when that's kind of all you get, that's it's not really a lot. Um, and I think for a lot of people, what, one of the things I think about and talk about a lot is that um, there's a lot of touch that we had been getting that was transactional, you know, whether that's, you know, going to get your hair cut and having them shampoo your hair or getting a pedicure and getting your feet rubbed or getting a massage, you know, where it's like, it's, it's touch that's, that's nurturing and caring, but you're paying for it. You know, there's a very clear relationship. And I think a lot of us had been very dependent on that before you know, I mean, there are, there are single people out there who the only time another person ever touches them is when they get their hair cut. So um, I think people were struggling with it before, but I think that, yeah, after, you know, for a lot of people really being alone for the past year, I think it's going to be real rough. So. Yeah. I mean, like just to even touch on how, you know, you, you, you talk about how it's unfortunately become uncomfortable even prior to COVID it's, it was uncomfortable to even talk about touch, but now, you know, it, it makes it even that more uncomfortable to, to even think or talk about, you know, touching for, for during this time, you know, it's, it's not something that everyone, well, I guess, I guess it's not really something that everyone talks about, but it's obviously it's something that everyone feels and experiences. I mean, different, different people are different ways. You know, some people will, know that they're missing a lot of touch. I mean, I know when um, I got out of a romantic relationship about four years ago and I could really tell there's a huge difference in my body and my mood, and, you know, cause I was getting a lot of touch and then I wasn't getting any or very little, um, you know, I'd get someone I worked and, you know, I, I have a great circle of friends, um, but, yeah, I mean, just in, you know, and, and then some people aren't even aware of it, you know, or they'll, they'll, they'll convince themselves somehow that it's okay, or they'll go without it for a really long time. And then they'll get a hug and they'll be like, Oh, my God, that feels so amazing What the, what's, you know, I had no idea how much I missed that. So, um, you know, different, different people, I think, have different levels of awareness about it. Well, so let's get a little more into, you had mentioned it already, but let's get a little more into your book, Somebody Hold Me, The Single Person's Guide to Nurturing Human Touch. Let's, uh, if you wanted to go a little more into it. Sure, I'm happy to talk about it. So, you know, as, as we've been talking about for most people, and I'd say probably men more so than women, because women tend to be more touchy-feely with each other. Uh, but there's, you know, it's like if you're not romantically involved with somebody, then you don't really have opportunities to get sustained touch in a, in a way that's tender. Um, you know, we do, you know, like I said, we get transactional touch or, you know, like, um, you know, like having the doctor poke and prod at you, that's a kind of touch, you know, there's, um, you know, maybe from team sports or, you know, there's things like that. But um you know, people don't really get like good sustained touch. Like you might get child children tend to be more um, free about it. They don't they don't really think about it. You know, it's like you'll see a bunch of kids sitting in a puppy pile and watching TV or something. But um, adults, you know, it's a very fraught uh, space. And so, the first half of the book kind of takes people through some of the cultural. Um, 
things that keep us from getting touch and talks about the health benefits and boundaries and consent and all these different things you know there's 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 a lot that is around touch um, and then the second half of the book is designed to help you get your touch needs met through your friends and the way that I kind of set it up is you know like we've been talking about most people um, equate touch with sex and so this you know there's this idea you know if you're one-on-one -on -one with somebody and you're touching them that it's going to lead to something sexual so I set it up so that you can do it within a group of friends so that it becomes a social activity and it feels more kid-like and playful and um, it's a set of exercises that are set up to get you physically progressively closer to each other and it's so they're designed to you go through the whole thing and then at the end of the time then you have this common frame of reference with your friends around what touch means so you know it'd be easy to call somebody up and be like hey can you come over and um you know you want to cuddle up on the couch and watch a movie with me tonight and you know your friend would know that that's actually what they're asking for because you've done all this work around it so um it's it's a a strange way to approach it. It's kind of similar to cuddle parties, which happen, which is kind of a similar thing, but that happens with strangers. I mean, sometimes people who are friends go to cuddle parties together, but um, it allows you to 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 do it and you know to to play around with this concept of non-sexual touch in a very structured. A specific fashion so that you can just kind of see you know because it's like there may be like ways that you like to get touched that you really like that you had no idea about or you know there may be something where you're like oh no that didn't feel good at all you know that part of my body doesn't like to be touched or you know that makes me nervous or what have you so um, you know but most of us don't don't even don't even know you know what it is that they like and they, they don't like you know you may know that oh you know I like to have my head scratched or my feet rubbed or something but you know there's a lot more things that you can do with your clothes on that's a lot of fun to have with your clothes on so I guess to get into some of it like so okay so with me my I guess my mindset would be so in light of the litigious society that we live in <laughs> you yeah. know it, it does make it uncomfortable to be more open to hugging or you know squeezing or touching someone you know just because you're you know you're scared that well, okay i'm gonna make you mad and then you know you're gonna turn around and say that i sexually assaulted you or something you know what i mean like later right. on down the road you know I mean, yeah, I, I, th I think, you know, so, so much about touch is context, you know, like that, you know, it may be okay, you know, and, and it's, it's always okay to ask, but, you know, it's like, you may, um, like if you were in a work situation, for instance, and you were the boss and somebody else was your employee and you said, you know, would you like a hug? Like your employee may be like, oh, I don't feel comfortable with saying no because there's that power dynamic. But, you know, if you were with a group of friends and you said, would you like a hug? And somebody said no, you know, and, and it, it wasn't in a private space, you know, just like you were all meeting up in a park or something, then, you know, then that would probably be okay, you know, yeah. so but it is it's it's tricky to, to navigate 
it's it's really hard i think for a lot of people to navigate and then just thinking about the the dynamic of it like i have uh two two boys i mean they're men now they're 27 and 28 but my youngest is very touchy-feely i mean he loves he'll hug he'll, you know anybody my my oldest boy is just like ah, don't touch me you know he doesn't uh-huh. like to hug at all so it's huh. funny the dynamic between the two and you know it's it's like i you know, can't figure out why there's that dynamic yeah i mean it's 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 really i mean it's a very individual thing for all of us and um one of the things that I like to emphasize is that there's not a right or wrong, you know, it's that you either have to, people either have to get comfortable with asking for touch, you know, if they're really, if they're really enthusiastic about it, or they have to get comfortable with saying no, you know, and, and both of those skill sets, I think, come into play. And, you know, and there's, there's some just, you know, kind of reading the situation, you know, and, and kind of, you know, because there's, you know it's not just power like employer employee i mean it could be there's gender there's religion there's you know the part of the world that you're in there's um the individual biology there's um you know there's hormones there's age there's you know there's there's so many different factors that go into it and so um i i think you know asking and being willing to take no for an answer um, goes a long way. Let's go into a little bit of what led you down your journey. You know, let's 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 talk about your journey to 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 the book and to to you know really wanting to yeah. dive deep into the the human touch. I think you know I, I get asked about the origin story a lot. I'm pretty sure that this all kind of started for me in about 2009 i was at a pagan festival i was doing some um, sacred sexuality training with a woman who was a pagan and she was like okay we're all sitting out here talking about worshiping the goddess but we don't really do much about her and her sexual aspect and so i went and uh went to a festival with her one weekend and she had this ritual called a karuna session that was around uh non-sexual touch and i was just i was really struck by the profound impact and you know what people were experiencing i remember there was one woman who came in and she's like oh i don't know if i should do this you know i've got my kids here and my husband here and we're like oh just come in and you know she's she's laying there and there there were three of us and you know we were just like you know gently putting our hands on her and she was just like oh my god this just feels so amazing you know because especially if you have young kids it's like they're like take 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 with their touch all the time right um and so the experience really stuck with me and about um uh, 2012 2013 i i went to another friend i was like hey let's play around with this thing i really you know i i really enjoyed doing it and um you know we would do it with friends and lovers and things and um, people were just like wow this is really amazing so we turned it into a business and that went until last year um you know obviously we shut down during covid because didn't feel safe with being up close to people and breathing on them um and the woman that i had been working with was um in a romantic relationship and she was like yeah i can't i can't be doing this right now um and then 
I started working on the book right around the time that I broke up with my ex and um, it kind of came out of, you know, watching this dynamic and, you know, listening to people who were like, yeah, you know, I can't, I can't get touch because, you know, like sometimes they were married and their partner wouldn't touch them or, you know, they were single or they had been through a breakup or a partner had died or whatever, you know, the lo lots of different reasons. And um, one of the things that I was thinking about when I wrote the book was, you know, our, our sessions were priced like a, a luxury thing and I wanted to have an option for people who didn't have a lot of money, you know, I mean, it's you know it's different to go and spend a hundred dollars 150 dollars on a session than it is to buy a book for 10 or 15 dollars so yeah well very good so then you had mentioned karuna sessions but one thing i want to talk about i guess too speaking of karuna i know many many years ago decades ago i read kama sutra and that's uh -huh. that's basically something about you know the the, you know touching as well you know so yeah go ahead, go ahead. no no keep going I, no i just wanted to touch it like what so what would be the what's the differences or what's the similarities between kama sutra and karuna i guess kama sutra is more geared towards maybe the sexual affection or something so yeah i've i've actually i've never studied the kama sutra that wasn't the form of sacred sexuality that um, my teacher was working with um Karuna is actually the Sanskrit word for compassion. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just meant to be really gentle and nurturing. Um, the Karuna session, it was, it's a ritual of human connection. And um, it was always done with two practitioners, which was really lovely for the person who was coming to see us because, you know, it kind of takes it out of that romantic dynamic of the one-on-one -on -one and it it feels more like you're a king or a queen being waited on hand or foot. And so um, the person would come in and we would bless them and wash their feet and have them meditate. We would ask them to go change into ritual garments and then we would come back and have them, you know, just kind of talk about boundaries and, you know, find out if there were any physical injuries or emotional stuff that we needed to watch out for. And then we would have them lay on the bed and we would do very light touch on their hands and their arms and their face and head and feet and legs and stomach. And then we would do a little bit of light touch on their back. And then kind of the bulk of the session was spent, they, we would put them on their side and hold them in between us. So it kind of mimicked the feeling of being held by your mother as an infant, you know, where you've got a lot of touch and you're being held like very close together and um at the end of that people would usually be up just a puddle of mush on the bed you know super relaxed they tended to look about 10 years younger when we got done with them and uh, we'd leave them there for a few minutes and um a lot of times they would fall asleep and we'd wake you know we'd tuck them in with blankets and pillows you know so that they could just kind of relax into that feeling and go get them up and ask them to come meet us on the couch and we'd have tea and snacks at the end. So that was a really lovely, relaxing, um, just a, a really beautiful way to connect and um, feel like you're being cared for and nurtured. 
Very good. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned trying to, and you may not know the you know the, the the knowledge of it, but trying to relate it to our Neanderthal ancestors and how you know it could have come about, you know, with with the feelings of touch. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I often think about the fact, you know, it's like the way we raised our young is kind of how we've started out as a species. You know, if you were if you were a Neanderthal, um, you know, and you didn't have housing and so forth, um, you know, if you were living in a cold climate, you would have been sleeping in a big pile at night to, you know, for warmth and safety, you know, to be able to take care of each other. And um, I mean, that was even going on up until 100 years ago. Um, you know, if you lived in a cold climate, you were probably, everybody was sleeping in a bed together because, you know, body heat would keep you from dying, you know, keep you from freezing to death. And, um, you know, it was hard for people to survive, you know, on their own. It was, you know, pretty impossible. So you had to um, keep your, keep your tribesmen close to you you know, to, to be alone was to, to risk death. Um, I actually think that that's one of the reasons that uh, weighted blankets are so popular, you know, because it's like we are used to being, you know, pressed in with all these bodies. And interestingly enough, I mean, this is also what we, how we take care of our young, you know, it's like, if you um, don't have, you know, if as an infant, if you don't get a lot of like good nurturing touch, it, you know, it can make a mess of lots of things um, emotionally and mentally as as you age. Um, you know, so it's something that I think is very ingrained in our DNA. You know, it's it's just something, and and it's actually it's not even just humans or Neanderthals or what have you. I mean, all all mammals do this. You know, it's like if you see like you know, cats or puppies or, you know, they're, they're all kind of curled up next to each other. Mm -hmm. Animals do that all the time. You know, it's yeah. like we hold each other close. Yeah, I was going to, I was going to mention that because, well, and just speaking on the uh, weighted blanket, I know I bought uh, my girlfriend one, I think it's a 15 pound one and she absolutely loves it. <laughs> does she I, sleep really well underneath oh, yeah. it? Oh yeah. Yeah. See with, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm scared to use it, but I, I don't know. I think it would make me uncomfortable because it would feel like it's holding me down and I don't like that. I want, I like to be able to move at night, you know, but just as well, you know, just, and then I started thinking about, you know, they have those um, compression vests for dogs as well. You uh -huh. know, that, uh, So yeah, that, that kind of relates back to, you know, the feeling of safety in their mother's legs and, you know, laying in there yeah. with their mom. So, you know, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm very curious to, you know, I hope that we start looking at um, human touch and that, you know, that feeling of being held as uh, like a treatment for PTSD and anxiety and depression and addiction and all these things, you know, it just, it seems like, you know, it's such a, very organic sort of thing you know i mean i think that that's been one of the things but that's been really hard for people with covid like um i have a dear friend in san francisco whose mother died in um maybe july or august and um you know she's been she's been grieving and hasn't had anybody to hold her and hug her and um 
I think I think she's getting ready to get her second shot. So I'm guessing she's going to go wild, you know, and really, really get a lot of that from other people because it's it's hard. It's really hard. It's been really hard for people. Yeah, I think back to uh, my mom. My mom passed away in December of 19. So right before wow. COVID and she was in a, per, a personal care home for 15 years and uh you know she was really bad towards the end and i just keep thinking about if she, you know how hard it would have been you know if, if she was that way in the current state that we we're in that i wouldn't be able to yeah. go because i wouldn't seen her i went to be with her every day i'd go and visit her you know and, and did i you, wouldn't have been able to do that can i can i ask you did you did you touch her a lot i mean i oh, yeah. i've had i've had friends who've talked to me about when they're parents were dying that they've like crawled into bed and held them you know i'm, I'm a little big to be crawling in bed <laughs> 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 but i mean hey i I'm, I'm, i will admit to everybody i was a mama's boy absolutely i you know i slept in the same bed as my mom till i was probably 12 years old you know i mean i was a mama's boy it's, it's just well, how that, i was it, and i'm happy well, that's, about but it. that's how it, yeah i mean that's yeah. how you feel that's where you learn to feel safe you know it's yeah. probably led to you being really well adjusted um as an adult so <laughs> So what kind of uh i'm curious like what kind of touch you did give to your mom or share with your mom as she, she, was... she always loved to hold hands definitely i know growing up she always loved us to tickle her back <laughs> she, you know did, she you, would... did you do that for her when she oh, was yeah. dying yes yes oh, yes that's yes. so beautiful it was a little hard too because she couldn't move in bed to, to you know right. to, to tickle her back or but she loved her arms being rubbed and mm. you know i always held her arms and my niece would come in and she loved her hair being brushed you know so she That's definitely so loved beautiful yeah she loved all of it you know so and like i said I, it was i i don't even want to imagine how difficult it would be in this current state to to not be able to see her and be with her you know in the state that she was in you know so mm -hmm. do you do you feel like um the the fact that you were able to be there and and touch her a lot do you feel like it helped you move through the grieving process i mean i know that you know losing a parent is is a horrible horrible thing my sure, father died sure. in 2008 but did it did it give, bring you comfort oh after yeah the fact yeah yeah well i think with me it was more knowing that i was giving her the comfort that she needed in those you know and my niece was there i mean my you know my brother sister there we were all there but uh mm -hmm. you know we were able to give her the comfort that she needed in because she was always the nurturing one she always comforted and nurtured everybody and anybody she could and you know i was glad that i could be there for her towards the end of it to give her that same same you know Aww. that she gave everyone you know yeah that that's yeah you're so you're so fortunate with the timing absolutely i mean that's that's really lovely yeah yeah definitely it was so the, the one thing after you know looking up some of your information and, and uh, uh -huh. i came across a mantra that you have evolution not revolution is that correct yep that would be me <laughs> okay well let's uh, if you want to touch on that sure um you know, to me, I, I see and hear a lot of people who are kind of idolizing revolution, and I can totally understand the impetus to want to burn it all to the ground. Um, but on the other hand, it's like if you've done, if you've read any like first person accounts of people who've been in a revolution, you know, it's not a whole lot of fun. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, it's like you could be 
part of the ruling party one week and then next week you're in jail or you know people people starve um it's just, you know of course it's especially hard on women and children you know they there's a lot of violence and just a lot of chaos and um while it seems like a good way to make changes um i would rather see people kind of go within and go oh you know we need to let's do some things differently here and um you know to kind of have things move forward and and unfold you know and and of course it can be it can be rapid or it could be chaotic but um that's a little bit different than um you know there's this this gleeful uh attitude of like let's let's make a mess of everything and you know yeah let's it's like it all yeah, it's, yeah. yeah so it's like you know you you can even put it as let's evolve and not revolve because revolve you're just kind of going around in a circle you know doing the same thing over again whereas if you evolve then you're moving on to the next thing trying to make it better <laughs> than what it was you know exactly and, and, yeah. exactly yeah i mean um it really feels like you know i i feel like one of the i i'm sure you've heard people talking about you know the past year and coronavirus i mean like today uh actually tomorrow is a year since we went into lockdown in austin um i know it's it's just so crazy but you know it's interesting it's like i've heard a lot of people refer to this as like the great pause you know or like that it's an opportunity for us to reset and i'm i'm hoping that some of the resets that we get to do are you know you know we're really taking a good introspective look at our lives and being like you know i don't i don't want to go back to that or you know there were aspects of this that i really liked or you know these were the things that were important to me that i missed while i was away from people and so forth and um I really feel like human touch is one of those areas of our lives where, you know, we can and should do something different. I think there's not just with touch, but just in general, a lot of aspects of our life, you know, it's, it's kind of like we all just take the path of least resistance and, you know, we find ourselves in a situation and we're like, you know, oh, how did we, how did we get here? You know, how did we get to this point? And, you know, as opposed to like looking at something and going, mm, I want that to be different. Let's try to do something this way and, you know, actually planning and designing it. Um, as you know moving forward and i just I, I really feel like human touch is something where there's a, a great possibility for that so yeah, well again because you're, you're kind of getting into the personal space so you get you know you, you you're naturally going to be uh, i don't know i guess in a sense better acquainted with the person that you're touching you know you it, it brings you uh, some sort of closeness where you know, where you're standing on one side of the road shouting about something or standing on the other side of the road shouting about something, there's not that, you know, come together and, and you know, let's fill each other out in a sense, you know? Well, I mean, not, not all touches like that, though. I mean, you know, I mean, I've had people grab me on the street and, um, you know, I, it's, it, but the, the, what you're talking about and what I'm talking about is, yeah, it's about coming together and going, I want this, you want this, let's try this, you know, let's find a place where we negotiate. So it's, you know, it's about having every encounter that's 
at that level to be more deliberate and conscientious and, you know, okay, this is what we're doing, you know, as opposed to just kind of leaving it to, to happenstance, you know, and, and I think, you know, it's like, it's kind of been that way all along, but people don't really think about it. I mean, like I have, um, I have a friend who the first time I had met her, she was a, a mutual friend introduced us and like the three of us were texting back and forth for, um, you know, for the day and, you know, I had never met her. And so the me and this other guy go over to her house one night or that night and I walk in and she just like grabs me and gives me a huge hug and I love to hug people but I was just like whoa lady hang on a second you know and she's just like she's very unconscious about it she's like you know I love to hug and I'm sure that everybody loves to hug and I'm sure that everybody wants to get a hug from me and she doesn't really stop and, and think about, you know, hey, maybe that person's not going to like that, you know, so, um, you know, it's the, the skills that it takes are pretty simple, but we're not taught them. And, um, you know, it doesn't, I don't think it takes a lot of work to get savvy with it. But, you know, you do have to pay attention and really focus on you know what you want and what the other person wants so yeah, yeah. so to i guess not well to, to step off of that and it might be the same thing the one thing i found in there is you well, i don't want to say claim to be but you refer to yourself as a social artist yes what is that a uh, social artist is using, cre applying creativity to solving the problems of the world. So instead of me going, you know, oh, I want to be a painter or a dancer or uh, an author or whatever, which I did anyways, but, you know, I'm like, uh, let me, let me use my creative skills to tackle a problem or solve a problem. And, um, I just, yeah, I would uh, personally, I would like to see more artists thinking that way, you know, and, and of course, there's a lot of art that does offer up good social commentary and that gets people having conversations. Um, uh, God, probably the best thing I've seen recently. Have you seen uh, the movie Promising Young Woman? Hey, I don't think I have. No, uh -uh. Uh, it's, it's 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 really interesting. You know, it talks a lot about the, you know, those he said, she said kind of lines. It's like the um, and, and it's it's actually an amazing portrait of trauma. Um, I, I highly recommend it, you yeah. know, but it's like I, I mean, there's just so I mean, I, I watched it. Uh, a friend of mine and I like watched it online together. And I mean, we we talked about it for like half an hour afterwards. We were just like, wow, as a, f a filmmaker. So, you know, she was interested in, you know, the look and feel of it and so forth. But just like the ideas in there, we were like, oh, yeah, you know, what about that? What about that? And that was really interesting. And um, and it was a it was a really interesting commentary on um dating and consent and boundaries and all kinds of things. So, you know, sometimes art does have a big social impact like that but this is i i'm more specifically um using my creative thinking to tackle a problem and in this case it's human touch <laughs> i have other ideas too but yeah <laughs> of course well i yeah. appreciate that now yeah. so now let's see here so we're we're actually past 
the we're way past the 30 minute mark but i didn't know if you're okay there was only a <laughs> yeah, few other no, things i had i'm, I'm sure fine, fine yeah fire away so uh, there was a few uh, uh, actually one quote of yours and we may have already touched on it um it it says that it's interesting i think to take a modern approach to touch in a similar way that the paleo diet has done Obviously, we can't do exactly the same things our ancestors did, but we can take the principle and adapt it to our modern lifestyle. Any elaboration on that? Sure. Um, so, you know, I've I've often decided, you know, so like um, one of the one of the things that's really fun to do, um, you know, when you're in a space where you're sharing touch with people that you know is. Um, you know, kind of similar to what I was talking about that we did with Karuna sessions, you know, where you have, you know, three or four people kind of lined up and, you know, everybody's spooning each other and there's, you know, one person in the middle and two people holding them, um, you know, and it's that, I mean, that's what our ancestors would have done. But, you know, I always say it's like paleo cuddling without the smell of, you know, roasted woolly mammoth, you know, it's like, you know, you're not doing it around a fire you know the 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 paleo diet is in principle the way that um paleo people would have eaten but you know at the same time you know it's like your your caveman wasn't like you know picking up a rock and going erg i'm going to stop by whole foods on the way home and pick up a chicken or so you know or a lamb or you know whatever shoot a deer wh whatever it is you know so it's like i think that you know this idea that um in paleo times or neanderthal times that we would have been very physically close and you know sleeping very close to each other i mean like personally i i can't stand sleeping in a bed with another person i i love to cuddle but you know at the end of the night i'm like i'm a very light sleeper and you know it's like i need i need to be in a bed by myself so, sometimes i'll sleep in the same bed as another person but um you know so it's taking that idea of this is how this works and you know doing it putting a modern spin on it you know and going okay this is something that our ancestors did that kept us safe and um i also i also think it's very healthy um something i think about and talk about a lot is that you know the this idea of rebranding touch that um there's so many physiological health benefits to it that we don't really think about um that we don't emphasize you know because we're just busy going oh that's a romantic thing um so you know it can it can be really good for your health and you know that idea of you know having having your people close to you and holding you and you know putting pressure on your body and you know holding you tight you know if it it feels good it feels good i mean anytime I get around a group of people where we're playing around with these concepts, um, you know, whether that's in a client situation or with friends, you know, it's like, or even like if I'm just out and about and, you know, I'm like, hey, would you like a hug? You know, and you like hug somebody for a long time and it's like you can feel their body relaxing, you know, they're like, oh, I'm safe with this person. And then, you know, they start going, oh my God, that feels so good. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's a health practice that actually feels really good. Sure. Physically so, and mentally, really. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of an all around. Yeah, it is. It is. It, yeah. It, and, and emotionally, mm -hmm. but yeah. you know, I mean, 
uh, just to like run down a real quick uh, list of some of the physiological benefits in case people are still going, oh my God, this is really weird. <laughs> um, boosts your immune system, lowers your blood pressure. It helps counteract the effects of cortisol in your heart. Um, it, um, what else does it do? It uh, fights inflammation, it reduces inflammation. It helps wounds heal up faster. It helps, uh, it actually counteracts the effects of alcohol. They've found they like, you know, they'll get rats drunk and then give them a shot of oxytocin and they sober up. Um, you know, so, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always really curious about, you know, the, the effects of that this has. It, it, um, it, uh, stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system and your vagus nerve, which is, you know, kind of the rest and digest. Um, and it just, you know, it's, it's very grounding. It gets you into your body and, you know, it's like your breathing slows down and you relax. And um, like there was always a point in our sessions that I was really curious about that was about maybe seven minutes in where I could just feel all the little micro muscles in a person's body relaxing, you know, where they would just hit this really deep level of relaxation. And it's like, you know, with our modern lives and just go, go, go and everything like, you know, paying attention to all these different things, you know, that are trying to get our attention. And, um, you know, it's like we don't get into those spaces where we can, you know, have a really deep level of relaxation and, um, you know, slowing down, slowing down our bodies and just, you know, getting um, some deep rest and um, touch is one of the easiest and fastest ways to do that. I can, I can see that. I mean, the more and more you talk about it, it, it the more sense it does make. I mean, it really does. You know, it's it makes you definitely feel a certain way. And that's, you know, because I am a touchy feely guy. You know, I'll hug my buddies. I don't care. I'll, you know, I'll hug my, all my family members and, you know, I'm that's okay with sweet. that, you know. It's uh, it does. It makes you know, and I and I know that feeling, like you said, when you're hugging somebody nice and tight, and they're just their body just melts. You know, it's yeah, the, awesome. yeah. It's like I I mean, we learn to say feel safe and cared for in our mother's arms and our parents' arms as as an infant. You know, it's like regardless of you know, there's there's all this mental stuff around you know hierarchy and gender and religion and culture and you know all these different things um you know but it's like if it's such that you want it's like your body knows that feeling your, your body knows that that is what safety feels like and and, and it's beautiful you you had and something crossed my mind when you had mentioned that it reverses helps it kind of helps reverse the effects of alcohol and it made me think you know like a majority of people when they get drunk they want to hug and they want to love and you know they want they want to be close to other people you know and it uh -huh. makes me think maybe it's the body crying out saying hey i don't like this alcohol in me you know go Could and get be. some love to reverse the you know with the cortisol or whatever yeah <laughs> well you know there's always there's always that fine line with alcohol of you know it's like a little bit is a good social lubricant and too much is like super unpleasant so yeah, it also um, like it, it, I think it makes um, it makes um, painkillers more effective, like you don't build up a, as much of a tolerance to them. Um, 
and I mean, I, I heard like, um, I have a friend who is a quarter Hawaiian and a few years ago he went and got a traditional Hawaiian tattoo where they like take the bamboo and like hammer the ink into your body. And um, it, it was a whole process and a ritual. Like he, um, he didn't get to pick out his tattoo. The, the tattoo artist designed it and they did it outdoors. And, you know, there, all the men were there, you know, supporting him and stuff. And he had to have his son there with him. And, you know, like the, the tattoo artist wouldn't do it unless his son was there. And then his son, it was also his son's responsibility to take care of him after the tattoo. And I remember him telling me that there were points where it had gotten really painful and he was like, you know, his son would like put his arm on his shoulder and it would, it would make it more tolerable and more bearable. You know, I mean, it's like, that's, you know, that's kind of what it is to be human. You know, it's like, we need, we need each other to survive. Yeah. And just, so. uh, just really just like, I, I guess until this conversation with you, I never really, I'm sure it was in the back of my head because like I said, I love the, you know, I'm, I'm a touchy feely guy, but you know, how, how, how truly important touch is, you know, to, to just everything. Like we said, you know, your psychology and your biology and, you know, immunology and all that stuff, you know, it's, yeah it's interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the, actually the most important part of it is that um, people get the touch that they want and need you know because there are people out there you know like you were talking about your son like he doesn't really like to be touched I mean <laughs> there's there's like no way I don't, I don't there's nobody out there that I want to be like oh you really need this and you know and grab them and give them a hug against their will so um you know there's there's a lot of people who get touched who don't like it and there's a lot of people who wish they had more touch that um you know that would that enjoy it and then you know there's some people who maybe just like uh you know i don't know i could give it a try and you know maybe you try it and you're like ah, not for me and maybe you're like wow this is the best thing since sliced bread so um you know it's really about finding um that place where the individual gets what they want and need and that their boundaries are respected one uh, another thing that uh, I, I found, I guess, yeah, kind of a quote from you, I guess you could say, but you had mentioned that touch flirts with issues of gender, human development, evolution, anthropology, sociology, sexuality, belonging, hierarchies, economics, <laughs> communication, personal preferences. Yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty long one. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's got huge overlap in lots of different areas of our of our lives and our world, you know, it's, it's pretty integral to the human experience. And yet it's something that, um, well, that I'm guessing a lot of people are going to be thinking about it more now because, um, you know, because a lot of people have gone without it so much over the past year. Um, so, you know, hopefully we can approach it in a, in a different, more conscientious way. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, I, I hear a lot of people, you know, like complaining about like these models around consent and boundaries in with, with sexuality. And I was like, y'all realize that this means that, you know, there, it gives you possibilities for getting more sex and, you know, same kind of thing. It's like, 
it seems very formal and stiff, um, you know, and people are like, oh, I just like to go with the flow, but it's like, you know, it, it, I think it has the potential to result in, you know, a culture where people get, get more touch, you know, where it's, you know, because you're getting it from people who, who want it, who want to give and receive, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's really getting to that space of yes for everybody. Very good. So now to kind of start winding down here, um, what, what are the one question here is what, what are the biggest takeaways you want people to get from your book? Ooh, I think the biggest thing is that people realize like how complicated this is and that this is something that you probably have to think about a lot and you know that there's going to be a lot of mental barriers that you may have to work through before you can get to this point um and and just that um actually i'd say probably the biggest takeaway is that um everybody's different you know everybody has different preferences and wants different things and you know there's not there's not a one-size-fits-all um, way to touch people and there's also not a one-size-fits-all way to approach people you know so having having these really basic um, life skills of you know for what you want and listening to people um, and you know really trying to be clear um, you know it's it feels weird and awkward but once you once you master it it's it's just good skills to have. And it spills over into a lot of other areas of your life as well. I should have mentioned that. So the, again, the name of the book is somebody hold me the single person's guide to nurturing human touch. I probably should have prefaced that question with the title of the book. <laughs> it's so okay. I apologize for that. It's totally fine. Um, sure one or two more that. here if you, uh, yes. if you wanted to. So these are just sure. kind of uh, generalized questions. Now uh, just, I like to ask just to, to, so, you know, even my community could get involved in the same things as well, but what type, what books or media are you kind of ingesting uh, currently? Like what, uh, you reading any books or blogs or whatever it might be? Um, the book that I just finished reading that I absolutely adored is um, called Drug Use for Grownups. It's by um, Carl Hart, I think his name is. He's a psychology professor at Columbia University, and he has been doing research on the effects of drugs on people for over 20 years. And his basic premise is that um, a lot of the problems around drugs are not from the drugs themselves, but, you know, things like poverty and justice and addiction and, um, you know, lack of resources and, you know, people getting thrown in jail, all these things. And that, you know, he argues for, um, you know, that we decriminalize or legalize everything like Portugal's done and it's been very successful for them. But um, one of the other things that he talks about is that, you know, all of these images that we have of people who use drugs are, 
you know, we're, we're seeing the worst of it. And he's like, hey, you know, there's a lot of people out there. He's the, the author is black. And like, he's, he's very upfront about his drug use. You know, he talks about, yeah, I was chairman at Columbia and I used heroin on a regular basis to, you know, to, to keep myself calmed down and relaxed, you know, like I would have, you know, occasionally do heroin the way that I would have a drink at the end of the day. And I was like, oh, dude, that's crazy. But he talks about, um, that, um, you know, there's a lot of very um, successful um, professionals who are not drug addicts who, you know, are valuable contributing members of the society and that uh, they should be out more about their drug use. Um, the other thing that I love, 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 love right now is the Conspirituality podcast. Um, you know, I was um, for many years kind of part of um, alternative spirituality and alternative health and wellness and um, man I've been really unhappy with a lot of their responses to the pandemic um, you know listening to people um, talking about you know the, lots of subtle victim blaming and lots of privilege and you know oh I'm too healthy to get the virus and it's all a hoax and you know max, masks are trying to you know you know, impose world order on it. And I'm just like, no, people, <laughs> there's this thing called science. It's awesome. You should get acquainted with it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's good. I yeah. mean, if that's all you can come up with, that's quite all right. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, funny. those are kind of, kind of two of my favorite things. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I watch various and sundry programs and, uh, movies and things like that, you know, to have escape. And, um, actually God, probably my, favorite 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 thing during the pandemic has been going for walks with friends i've been walking about two to four miles a day Good, for yeah. the past year yeah i haven't I've, I've missed a little bit here and there but yeah for the most part i've been pretty consistent yeah but yeah Good, good. saving me saving me so. <laughs> well so let's uh i guess we can we can end it with this uh this this question here kind of gives you the chance to is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would like to get out there and get out to our communities i think we've had a pretty thorough interview and talked about a lot of different a lot of stuff things, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a good conversation though i, I yeah thank it. you thank you you were a yeah. really fun interviewer to, <laughs> to spend an hour with you know I, I do a fair number of podcasts and you know some of them like ah, okay you know obviously you don't interview a lot of people but yeah you know it's you've been super easy to talk to and well, very thank gracious you. with your time thank you i appreciate that and, you know and i i i mean i i like i said you know until i sat down and talked with you about it i didn't realize how important it was you know how important touch really is you know and even though i've like i said i've always been a touchy feely guy but i guess it's just natural to me so i don't look at it as you know how how important it needs to be i just that's just what i do you know so yeah yeah so let me ask you this um after our conversation are you gonna do you, do you feel like you're pretty good at um like reading the situation and being like oh no that person doesn't want to hug or you just like go in for the hug <laughs> it depends on if i well sometimes i i guess sometimes friends of mine if i know they don't like that like the hug i'll go in and do it anyways you know and they end up just giving into it <laughs> so um but no i definitely you know will take the time to read 
the other person, which I always have, you know, just again, because I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable yeah. because it is an important, uh, you know, uh, nurturing thing that, you know, you don't want to turn anybody off anymore to it, you know? Yeah. Um, when you, when you don't want to be touched and somebody touches you, it is definitely not nurturing. Right. Yeah. Um, can I teach you like one of my favorite phrases? Absolutely. Yes. Five words. Would you like a hug? <laughs> I was getting ready to write them down, but I can remember. I can remember. You can that. remember that, yeah. <laughs> That's a you know. I mean, because not everybody's really good. You know, at, is not good at reading the room. Like I, I yeah. feel like I'm pretty good at reading people. Sure. You know, yeah. like sometimes I'll touch servers. Um, you know, like a waiter or waitress. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, I feel like I'm pretty good about judging whether they want that or not. But yeah, I mean, not. You know, I mean, it's always better to ask you yes. know it's always okay to ask. i always say it's always okay to ask and it's always okay to say no although yeah you know that's a whole another ball game but yeah <laughs> it's a great place to start yes sure. absolutely well epiphany thank you again very much for for coming on to the neanderthal mine i mean it's uh, i yeah. greatly appreciate it it's, it has been a fantastic conversation with you so yeah thank you so much for having me again and um, yeah. i'll definitely get all the links up for your books somebody hold me the single person's guide to nurturing human touch and uh you know we'll get them onto uh you know your websites or whatever you have and uh yep. yeah we'll get some hopefully get some traffic your way and uh that'd be fantastic spread the word about how important it actually is you know yeah and i think i think you know i really think with the pandemic coming to the end that people are going to need some help i think you know for some people it's going to be really easy and for some people it's not so you know having having resources around how to reconnect with your fellow humans is there's lots of there's lots of good stuff in there that i think would be really helpful for people yeah well the interview that uh, well and again well, for one thing i forgot to, to uh, thank you for being willing to flex your schedule a little bit there yeah, today. Not, uh, not a problem at all <laughs> not a problem but uh, yeah i was talking with uh madeleine weiss uh she's a psychologist as well and we talked about how it's going to be difficult to re to readjust to what the norm was, you know, from what the norm is now. And it's, yeah, yeah. I know we were I talking about stress is what we were talking about. And it's going to be stressful for, to, to readapt to what we were used to in life, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't personally, I don't think we're going back to quote unquote normal. I mean, there's, there's stuff that shifted that's, you know, not coming back. I mean, even sure. if you just think about, you know, like the thousands and thousands of restaurants that have closed, you know, like some mm. of my favorite restaurants in town have closed in the past year, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's sad, you know, but, you know, so um, it's going to be different and it's going to be difficult. Yeah. I think well, even, you know, again, with, with your, you know, being around others to get that feeling of closeness, you know, I, I think another great, change is going to be the working from home aspect. I mean, there's going to be, yeah. I don't think that's going to change, you know, <laughs> companies obviously can see that it still, it benefits everybody to have people working from home. So now that takes away mm -hmm. that closeness from your coworkers. I, I think it probably depends on whether a owner or a manager is an introvert or an extrovert. I think I think there's a lot of you know like there's a lot of people in upper management who are extroverts and man they can't wait to get back into the office. I don't know if I'm going to go back to my office or not. Um, my boss doesn't care one way or the other, so um, I haven't really. I mean, I could probably go back to my office now because it's 
there's really nobody else in the building yeah so um <laughs> you know but yeah uh, you know it's also nice my, my cats are enjoying having me home i like i have to do battle with my one cat every day she's old she's almost 14 and wow. every day she just like wants to be in my lap and i'm like cat i'm trying to work you're sitting <laughs> right where the laptop goes i'm like well somebody please invent a lap desk you know a laptop desk that you can put over the cat so it's right, like the cat yeah. could be on my lap underneath the, the laptop yeah i mean like i'll, I'll like prop the laptop up against her i mean my my acupuncturist is shutters at my ergonomics but you know it's like she won't move i can't get the cat out of my lap good grief so yeah well again epiphany thank you so much for giving me your you an hour are, out of your life it's yeah. uh it was I, it was really fun i appreciate you having yeah, me on your show i really enjoyed it and, and and anytime in the future you know if you come out with any other books or anything that you know you would like to to spread the word about definitely get in touch with me and yeah i have a i have another book in mind that i want to write but um i've got i've got some other projects going right now that um you know so that won't be happening until the next half of the year well, I'm an open door platform for you to come on to if you need awesome. to. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the book is actually a book about non-sexual touch for romantic couples. Okay. Well, you know what? I was going to, I wanted to ask you that question. Now you do, obviously the book that you currently have is about singles. Mm -hmm. And I was going to ask you if you do work with couples on, you know, how to go about doing the touching and, you know, the. Yeah. Um, uh, well, that's what kind of what I want to write the next book about. I've done um, uh, a friend of mine in town who's a sex therapist has a, a couples group therapy where like she's got like four or five couples that all come um, and do therapy together once a month. And um, she had me come in and um, teach the a section on non-sexual touch so i mean it's you know uh, it's you know when i was saying that this paradigm doesn't work for most of us it's like it doesn't work for single people and it doesn't work for a lot of people in relationships as well you know because not you know there's a lot of people in relationships who are mitch have mismatched touch drives you know just like they have mismatched sex drives and um it can be hard because you know if you're partner is supposed to is you know if you're if you think of that as a touch of sexual then it's like it doesn't leave you with any other way to get those needs met so um well know, i look forward to that book and I, and again yeah. like i said you know it's let me know even before then because obviously i know you know writing books takes a very long time to, yeah. to get them published but uh, yeah i mean actually i'll just um i'll just throw it out one of the things that um i want to do to lead up to the book um i'm looking for people to interview who are part of a couple that's lived together for at least three years and um I want to talk to the person who's in the relationship who wants more non-sexual touch, but maybe doesn't know how to get it or, um, you know, like a lot of, you know, I mean, this whole thing of, you know, okay, touch is about sex. It's like, if you just want touch and your every time you touch your partner, they're like, oh, they want to have sex, then, mm -hmm. you know, people stop touching their partners, right? Yeah. So, you know, um, so anyways, I'm looking for people who are like that to interview for the book so um you know if uh, some of your listeners are interested they can uh, hit me up on my website That'd awesome yeah, yeah absolutely cool well, it's been awesome epiphany thank, thank you. you again anthony i really <laughs> appreciate it
Well, I hope to hear from you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you, bye now. Well, there you have it, cave dwellers. The end of an awesome, wonderful, beautiful, amazing season. First season of the Neanderthal Mind. I 100% have to thank all of my faithful listeners who have stuck by me through these last couple months uh, as I was uh, trudging the the waters of uh, uh, podcast life and um, you know trying to find my feet and uh, trying to get good episodes trying to get uh, good guests out for my listeners and uh, I think uh, I, I like to think that uh, I accomplished that task um, I definitely, again, have to thank all of you for tuning in to The Neanderthal Mind uh, every week, every other week, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, again, just the end of uh, end of the first season. Um, I look forward to the next season. I uh, hope to uh, create some uh, more exciting interviews. Um, definitely thinking about some interviews with multiple guests, so some sort of roundtable. Um but uh, yeah, I'm going to take a couple months off here, enjoy the summer months, do some vacationing, and then uh, you know we're going to get back into it. Um, I look forward to uh, sitting down with all of you again on a bi-weekly basis, and um, I hope you enjoy the next season and uh, what's to come after that. So again, my cave dwellers, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I appreciate you all. And I look forward to sitting down with you again. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. I have to undoubtedly thank all of my awesome guests that joined me this season on the Neanderthal Mind. Without them as well, I would not have had my faithful fellow Cave Dweller listeners. So I have to give kudos to all of my wonderful, awesome, fantastic guests. And I know, without a doubt, that you all enjoyed them as much as I did. So here's to next season, and some more wonderful, fantastic, awesome guests, and being with my awesome cave dwellers. Thanks for listening to the Neanderthal Mind podcast. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you love what you've heard, please subscribe Rate and review the Neanderthal Mind podcast wherever you download your podcasts. And if you know anyone that you think would enjoy this podcast as much as we hope you have, please recommend the Neanderthal Mind to them. Until next episode, my fellow cave dwellers, don't forget, leave your cave drawings and comments on our wall at theneanderthalmind.com.